I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 245 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that is coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, it is time for another Frogman Friday edition of First Class Fatherhood. I have a great guest for you guys today. Former Navy SEAL Chris Gomez is here with me today. And Chris is also a former Navy SEAL instructor who evaluated, trained, and mentored hundreds of Navy SEALs through the most difficult military training on the planet. He is now crushing things on the civilian side of life. Chris Gomez will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. It has been such a great week of content here on the podcast. If you missed any of the action... Be sure to catch up over the weekend. I had world-class speaker Chris Norton here on Monday. Tuesday, the immortal UFC fighter Matt Brown. Wednesday was just an incredible honor. Blackhawk down pilot Mike Durant was here with me. And yesterday, of course, NFL wide receiver TJ Hushmanzada. All right, so some really good stuff going on here next week. I'm going to be smacking you guys with five fresh episodes, including Major League Baseball player Dustin Garneau, entrepreneur Matt Sapola, artist Robert Patterson, all-pro NFL center Nick Hardwick, and Navy SEAL Tom Shea will all be joining me. So lock it in for that. It's going to be another great week here on First Class Fatherhood, celebrating fatherhood and family life. All right, and on a personal note here, I got some great news yesterday. I will be the head class parent of my daughter's kindergarten class. I couldn't be more excited. She is the last of our four children to hit the kindergarten grade here, and I plan on soaking up all the fun, and I will now have a first class seat to enjoy it all. All right, so let's jump into today's action here, and be sure you guys are following me over on Instagram, at Alec underscore Lace, because I have some guest announcements that I'm going to be dropping soon that are just going to blow your mind. It is shaping up to be just an incredible October here on First Class Fatherhood, so please make sure you're telling every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list about the show that is celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me, and I'm going to be right back with former Navy SEAL Chris Gomez. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening... To first class fatherhood. All right, dads, first class fatherhood is being brought to you today by Manscaped, who is number one in men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. They sent me their lawnmower 2.0, and I wish they had something like this years ago. I can't tell you how many times I've nicked my nuggets in the shower while shaving, and you definitely don't want to be using the same razor on your face that you're using down there on the two amigos. The lawnmower 2.0 is an electric trimmer with skin safe technology. It's waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. So let's go, dads. Right now, First Class Fatherhood listeners are getting 20% off their entire order, plus free shipping by using the promo code FATHER. Go to manscaped.com, enter the promo code FATHER at the checkout, save 20% off, and get free shipping. Manscaped.com, promo code FATHER. All right, joining me now is a First Class Father who served with the elite United States Navy SEAL teams. He spent years as a Navy SEAL instructor, forging hundreds of men into hardened warriors. It is a big honor for me to say, Chris Gomez, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Hey, thanks so much, Alec. I really appreciate you taking the time. All right, let's start here. How many kids do you have, and how old are they? So I have three three daughters. They call it the Frogman Curse. It's kind of funny in that regard because it seems like frogmen have a tendency to to have a plethora of daughters. I myself have three. I've got a 15-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 5-year-old. 
all spaced out uh, five years apart. So it uh, sure surely makes an interesting uh, home dynamic. <laughs> yeah, God bless you with that. And what type of uh, sports or activities are the girls into? Oh boy, my oldest now she's kind of concentrated herself into volleyball, which is which is awesome because she's really I think five foot two, so she's one of the shorter girls out there. But she really loves it. We, We've uh, just got back from a game last night. It's uh, She's really doing well, loves it a lot, and it's been fun. As far as the 10-year-old goes, she is still trying to figure out what she wants to concentrate on. She's been in basketball. She's in softball, which my wife coaches. She's done – gosh, she's she's in track. She, there's this, this wonderful program called Girls on the Run, which she has done now for the last two years, which is a really good affirmation for, for, for young girls in sport. And so she loves to run. She's uh, in dance. She kind of does it all. And then my my wild card or my little five year old. She has she's tried a little bit of soccer. Not a big fan. She does love to dance. She doesn't love dance. So it's it's interesting. We're just trying to figure out. She's strong as an ox though, and she's this tiny little thing. So I keep pushing my wife toward considering gymnastics in some way or another, but. Right now, she's just in dance, and uh, she enjoys it most of the time, uh, but uh, she's our little dancer. Yeah, yeah I, my five-year-old girl, we're on the same, uh, in the same boat there. We're on the fence about gymnastics, dance, and going back and forth between the two, so uh, we'll see what happens here. I've had a lot of buddies that have put their daughters into gymnastics, and it is certainly a long-term investment, and it's a long – I mean, it's, that is probably one of the toughest – sports to put your your child in because it's so time consuming and there are so many people that are so invested in that yeah, it's it's quite crazy yeah definitely now are you all done or is there a shot that you're going to go for the boy here you know at 44 nearly 45 years old i think my wife well see i'm 44 45 my wife just turned 40 she is there's no way she wants another one we haven't made it official through any sort of surgery or any type but uh yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good with my three girls. Uh, I guess having a, a teenage daughter for 19 consecutive years is going to be enough for me. <laughs> yeah, 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 well said there. All right, Chris, if you could, just take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. So uh, right now I am in software sales. I work for a, a great company called VMware. I just switched over a couple of weeks ago. Uh, VMware is based out of Palo Alto. I live in Houston, Texas. My background, as far as you know, the reason you're talking to me, is I was a I was a Navy SEAL for a, n- a number of years throughout my naval career. I joined the Navy in 1993, went through SEAL training with Class 198, graduated with Class 199, and then after five years at SDV Team One out in Hawaii, I was called up to be a SEAL instructor. And as at that point uh, in 2001, went over to Buds as an instructor. I was there from basically 2001 until 2005 when I got a commission uh, in the Navy. And so the commission was really odd. I, I put in a package to become a SEAL officer. That was my, my number one goal, the reason I really applied to become an officer. And they were full of junior officers in the SEAL teams. This is 2005 kind of drawdown time frame. And so I said, oh, well, all right, let me go EOD then. Let's put a, you know, check the block for EOD. Maybe that'd be a, it's something really cool, really special. They didn't take any EOD officers that year. So I had a choice. I could either go in as an intelligence officer or as a supply corps officer, which is essentially the uh, MBAs in the Navy. I chose the supply corps route because I did have a a finance undergrad. It kind of coincided a little bit with my background. 
with some of my schooling. And so I chose that with the full intent to lateral transfer once I made 03 when the SEAL officer billets kind of opened up. But as, as fate would have it, that wasn't going to be in the cards. I had a couple of daughters at that point and really decided that going back into the teens at that point after having sat on the sidelines for the last four plus years just wasn't, uh, wasn't for me. And so finished my career as a, as a naval officer. I did nine years as a, as an officer, 12 years as enlisted. So about 21 years all told in the Navy. Retired in 2014 with my MBA at the University of Texas in Austin, which was an amazing experience. And then, uh, again, retired, and I've been in consulting for about four or five years. And then I just did a quick stint in oil and gas, and now I'm back into the into the uh, software space with VMware, as I said earlier. Yeah, what an incredible career there, Chris. And thank you for your service, of course. And, oh, and so, oh, my pleasure. And so how old were you then when you first became a father, and how did becoming a dad kind of change your perspective on life? You know, I became a father when I was about 30 years old. So 29 is whenever I had my first daughter, and it absolutely floored me because this is, this is an experience that I didn't, you know, certainly I never really thought much about as a, as a kid growing up. You always heard how much your parents told you they loved you, but you never really understood. You kept hearing things, so you understood it. Sure, mentally you understood. Yeah, my parents love me. It's great. Until you had that first child and you're holding something that you had a part in making, it was just really opened that aperture, opened my eyes up to, to what it is and what it was that my parents really meant when they told me how they loved me so unconditionally. And it was, it was just, it filled this part of my heart that I never knew was, was missing. Um, and, and it's, it's kind of a, I always, I always say that you have no idea what it's like, and you know, you have no idea how much your parents love you until you have a child of your own. And uh, that was, it. At that point, it kind of stopped becoming about me and what my dreams were and what I wanted for myself, and hopefully made me a little bit less selfish. Although some might argue that case, um, <laughs> but it, it really just made it all about my family and my child at that point. Uh, it was she was absolutely the most important person in my world. Yeah, very well said. And, and and since you do have the Master of Business Administration there from the University of Texas, what was the college experience like for you? Because uh, I got to tell you, Chris, I, I drive a lot of Uber, and, and especially now that the kids are back in school, and I drive them around a lot. And it's kind of sad to see. I mean, many of these kids have no idea why they're even going to the school, why they're majoring in what they're doing, and they take it as kind of like a, like a joke. And it makes me kind of concerned about sending my kids to college. So what was it like for you at the University of Texas? So I, I was in a uh, executive MBA program, so I was surrounded by people that are around my age. However, I did have a, a good glimpse into the university life. I, you know, at this point, I was 37, 38 years old while I was going to school. And so, again, being a father, at this point, I had two children and my third on the way. It, uh, it certainly made me appreciate, one, the educational opportunities that are, that are offered to us. But I think the question you're asking is, how important these days is college? And, and you know, I, I listen to Mike Rowe a lot because I think he's just a phenomenal person. He's a wonderful storyteller, and I love a lot of the, the approach that he's taking because I came into the Navy straight out of high school, and so I didn't have any college. I went to college. I did my undergraduate degree while I was a SEAL instructor, so I was going to school part-time 
as well as working as an instructor. And it helped me to appreciate it because I was there for a purpose. My purpose was to, to, to receive an undergraduate degree because that's what I felt I needed in my life to, to accelerate my career path. And really looking back and seeing what kids are experiencing today and, and that the people are almost funneled into this program. One, they're incurring so much student loan debt. There's, there's so much that's being placed on these kids. It's like this, it's just a, an assembly line of people going through. And I'm not certain that they're really going to college for, for what the intention of college was. I mean, you're going to come out of college with $150,000 in student loans. Most of that is probably derived from them living off of, of this type of loan. Um, it's just a – I don't necessarily think that it's a requirement for everybody to go to college. I think the trade schools are so undervalued in our society for some reason. I don't understand it. Um, there's a lot of opportunities out there. You know, if you're predisposed to go to college, if you understand what it is that you want to do in your career, you're not just going to college to to say you went and you go get a creative writing degree. Not to say that those are – all altogether bad, but if you go in there and you get a degree that isn't necessarily going to advance your career and you wonder and you sit back and you're like, well, I'm making $40,000 a year. I went to this Ivy League school and I took $250,000 in student loan. I think this is driving a lot of the conversation that we are having as it pertains to this student loan debt crisis. And I put that in, in quotations because I don't necessarily feel it's a crisis, but, uh, but again, very long-winded answer to say I loved the college experience. I loved what I did because my purpose was to go receive an MBA. I wanted to translate what I did on the military side to that private sector life and, and have something that would carry over. It was important for me, but that was my goal. It wasn't just going to check a block and say, hey, I did it. Uh, you know, I did it on mommy and daddy's dime or I did it because it was, it was what I was supposed to do. If that makes yeah. sense. All right, Dad. The NFL season is now upon us, and the Major League Baseball season is winding down. There is no better time to take your kids to the ball game, and First Class Fatherhood listeners can save $20 off their tickets on SeatGeek.com by using my promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, FIRSTCLASS. Maybe you want to see a concert or a Broadway show. Save 20 bucks on the tickets on SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code FIRSTCLASS. It's a slam dunk deal, dads. SeatGeek.com, promo code FIRSTCLASS. Fatherhood is the best seat in the house. It does, and that's exactly what I was talking about. See, when you have a defined purpose, it makes a lot more sense. And, and, and I never went to college myself. I mean, I learned to trade early on as far as mechanics, and that has supported me and my family, you know, my, my entire life here. And uh, it's I know that the opportunities are great. It's just it's just scary when you see it firsthand, the results of, of the kids, like you said, in an assembly line fashion, uh, going in there and getting these degrees in psychology or, or uh, philosophy, and they have zero uh, plan or uh, a goal in mind with any of it. Yeah, it, it's it's just kind of shooting in the dark. Again, I think it's it's they're, they're doing this because that's what society or perhaps their parents think is what's important for them. And like you said, Learn a trade. Go there. Do something that you're passionate about, that you enjoy. I was the first person in my extended family to go to college to get an undergraduate degree and subsequently a master's degree, and it was because I had that, that what I wanted to do required that type of schooling. 
my dad didn't go to college. My mom actually finished college after I did, which was crazy. She became a school teacher because that was her passion. And it took her years and years to figure out that that's exactly what she wanted to do. Um, and so, so that was, again, it was, it was a, a major driving force for her. But it's, to me, it is not a major requirement. If, if my daughters don't feel predisposed to go to college or they don't necessarily have a long-term plan that involves college, I'm not going to push them down that path. I'm, I'm going to, hopefully they're going to do very well in school and they're going to continue to, to push themselves academically. But if going off to college isn't in the cards for them and that's not something that they feel that they need at that moment, go get some life experience. Go out there and, and learn. This is, I think that we have a lot of students that are coming out of college with a, that have been pretty sheltered. Maybe they're not being taught how to think. They're being taught what to think rather than how to think. And I thought that's what colleges were about. I thought that was what was so important. So I was lucky to have gone to get my undergraduate degree when I was about 26 to 29 years old or 30 years old. So I had a little bit more perspective than your typical college kid coming out of high school. Had I gone to college straight out of high school, it would have been a complete disaster. I would have failed out immediately. I was way too immature. Um, I needed that. I needed something else to kind of put me on that right path and to really understand what it was I was getting myself into. Yeah, I'm the same way. And I think you hit the nail on the head there about teaching the kids how to think. And, and that's why it's encouraging. I speak to so many of these entrepreneurs, like these guys like Grant Cardone and uh, Ed and Federal Schoolian. These are guys that have just uh, went from being broke and just smashed the game just through uh, pure hard work and, and have been able to amass fortunes because of all the opportunities that are there online that are available to everybody now via the Internet. There, there are, and, and you know, it's interesting you say that because the, the Internet has really opened up that, that education because, again, maybe you're not going to walk away with a degree from, from a, again, an Ivy League school. However, it's the same education. It's essentially that you're learning the same things, whether you take it online or you take it in the classroom. Certainly the instruction may be better. Maybe there's some more anecdotes that, that help drive it in a little bit better. But if you don't have the time to go off to, to school for four years, you can certainly pick up bits and pieces along the way through this through technology, which is which has really helped to kind of level that playing field. I would have thought yeah. it would have had a, had a tendency to drive costs down. However, I think we've gone the opposite way. Yeah, and on that, with the technology, that is a challenge for a lot of us dads, myself included here, especially with my older ones. How is the um, technology with you as far as social media, uh, video games, or any of that type of stuff with your girls? How do you kind of monitor all that? You know, that, that's, a, that's a tough, tough question. So my background, my, my wife, my initial, my first wife, who I have my 15-year-old with, we got divorced while I was a film instructor right toward the end of my career, and I had subsequently remarried and had my other two daughters. And so we have a different, kind of a different mix. The reason I'm back in Houston is because this is where my, my ex-wife and my daughter moved, so we wanted to be as close to her as, as possible. So her social media presence and the rules that she has for her, for her social media are primarily driven by my ex-wife and what her beliefs are. However, we do have to be on that same page, and so... My 15-year-old does the Snapchat, which I, I don't necessarily see the, the value in some of that. Um, she hasn't done Facebook. She does have an Instagram account, so she's there. Uh, she does have that social media presence. But, you know, I, I've heard it said that when you put all these filters 
kids and you still give them access to some of these things, even though other people can't see them, perhaps you're hiding them as a 15 year old, you're you're saying, Hey, we're not open to the public. You have to go through these wickets in order to follow or request my daughter. It doesn't mean that she is blocked from seeing what's out there. And so, you know, again, she's been able to, through her social media presence, see much more than perhaps I, certainly than I ever did as a kid coming up, uh, and even perhaps more than I would, I would like. But I don't know what that, what that balance is. I don't know what that balance is from res- being completely restrictive or being completely naive and open to everything. So it's, that's been a, it's been a tough challenge. My 10 year old, still doesn't have a phone. She's in fifth grade. She's one of her only friends, but she doesn't clamor for that. It's, she comes home. She does have an iPad that she gets in and does some academic things on. She plays a couple of games on it, but she's so busy with sports and she's so busy with extra tutoring that that hasn't really been a big driving factor for her. Um, and my five-year-old likes to watch videos on YouTube, but we try to limit that to certainly less than an hour a day. Um, especially considering the fact that she's in school for upwards of eight hours a day. So we want to have some family time. So we try to do that. You know, we try yeah, to do it, that. It's just amazing how quickly the te- technology changed. Like I remember like growing up, I was like the uh, tech guy in our family because I knew how to hook up two VCRs and take this <laughs> and that. And I could never imagine, you know, I always looked at my father as like, oh, he's so outdated. He don't know how to use this stuff. And now I'm asking my 13-year-old, hey, could you hook this up to the TV for me? Like, uh, how do I watch this? You know, so it, it's amazing how quickly it all turned around. Isn't it funny? It, it really does. I mean, I remember being able to hook up, like you said, hook up some speakers and, and get some things. Now we're having to stream this and go through through the cloud to get the majority of our content. And it's, it's really interesting. It certainly, again, has, has opened up what we see. Think about our days growing up. I'm sure you're close to my age and maybe a little younger, but we grew up with basically three to four, maybe five channels on TV. Whenever we got cable, I believe I was in middle school, and and even that cable only had 20 or so channel, channels. Now there's so much out there. There's so much content. It's really scary as a parent and as a dad to see what's out there. And it, it's tough. It's a it's a tough ball game. I think it's certainly a little bit harder than uh, than our parents had it as we were coming up. Certainly, you know, they had no way to keep tabs on us because we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have tracking devices on our kids. We didn't have these type of conversations. That, that you and I are having today, um, but it's just, it's just a different type of challenge. Yeah, for sure. And, and I see that you have that now, uh, future governor of Texas in your bio there. Is that something <laughs> that you're actually shooting on? I'm glad to see so many SEALs and veterans getting into the political arena. We definitely need your voices. Is that something that you're considering? It's something that I've been talking about since since high school, really. And it was it was something that I always had as a goal of mine. I was going to do 20 years as a SEAL. I was going to do 20 years uh, in some capacity, and I wanted to become a senator and work my way up and eventually become governor. That was a long-term goal as a kid, and it's always something I kind of had in the back of my mind. Since my 20-plus years of service is up, I did realize that they don't elect poor people to office, so I have to go do something to, uh, to make a little bit of money, make a little bit of a name for myself, on the, in the local community and affect more change here locally. But my long-term goal, and I'm going to continue to say it, is to be the governor of Texas one day. I, I've talked about that a lot. I think my buddy Dan Crenshaw is doing a phenomenal job in Congress. He's uh, a real bright spot 
for the conservatives in in that house, and I, I think he's done just a great, tremendous job. I've talked to some local people uh, here in Houston regarding getting into office in some capacity or another, but at this point, I'm really focused in on on my career professionally to make sure that I'm doing what's right for, for the company I'm currently working for and doing as much as I can for them. Uh, but it always has been something in the back of my mind. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I'm waiting for Dan to pop a kid out so I can get him on for a Frogman Friday here. He's a he's a phenomenal guy. He and Tara are uh, really well connected in the community and, and just doing, again, a, a great job. He's such a great communicator of, of the message. He really distills things down to its simplest form, which I feel is, is really important for our government officials to be able to do rather than conflate and change and, and try to confuse everybody with this double talk. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, last thing I want to hit you with here, Chris, I love to ask all the dads that get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? That is that is such a great question, and it's funny. I was out for a jog the other day, and my brother and sister-in-law recently had a child in July. But as it was coming up, and I know that the baby was due, I, I sent them a text message, and I said, listen, you've got two, three, four weeks left as it's just you two. Enjoy it. Enjoy that time because it's that that's the foundation. Because if you and your in and, and your your spouse are not doing well, that, that poor child's gonna ra- be raised in an environment that's not necessarily conducive for them. So really build on that foundation um, for for you and your spouse. Enjoy the time together because once that kid comes it's no longer about you two anymore. Now it's this this you have this other entity, this life, this person that you are now responsible for wholly, and it's not about you. It's it's about that that kid and your family. And so, take a little time on the front end if you can, and and do whatever whatever it takes to to take a break. You know, kind of rekindle some of that uh, love and passion because for the next four, five, six, seven years while you're in it, it's not going to be so easy. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. This has been an honor for me. i got to say, Chris Gomez, you're a first-class father, and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on first-class fatherhood. Alec, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for what you do, and I really look forward to this season. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Chris Gomez for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was such an honor. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. Let me know what you thought about all the episodes this week. I dropped some really great content there for you guys. A lot of great advice given out by some seasoned fathers. Next week, I got five bangers coming your way. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace to find out all the rest of the guest announcements that are coming your way. That's all I got for you guys today. I hope you enjoy your weekend out there. I'm Alec Lace. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers.